Hi, this is Michael Lowe, and you're listening to May I Ask You a Question, Episode 3 with Ken Flower. In the last episode, Ken reflected on his time in his first ministry job out of college and lessons he learned on the job within the church. In this episode, he discusses how those lessons influenced his helping to plant and lead a church in Columbus, Ohio. We then talk about how God led him and his family to Bellevue, Washington. As usual, Ken's contact info is in show notes. Thanks again for listening. So all of that to say then, yeah. thinking through those things was kind of, um, I guess, uh, circumstantially what helped, uh, what God used to help guide you guys to go with uh, Scott and yeah. Melissa to Columbus. Yeah, so we, we went to Ohio with having already been thinking about these things for years, a year or two, I guess, really trying to think through what it would look like um, and what kind of church we would want to plant. and. Mm-hmm. Um, and so went and we were parachuting in to plant a church from scratch. There was, yeah. there, we weren't, um, didn't know a lot of people existing there, so. relationships. And really there was one other person that came from Alaska to join us. <laughs> and, uh, and so we had four California people and Alaskan showing up in Columbus, Ohio right. and just <laughs> starting out from scratch and trying to build relationships. And it was, man, it was so different than we expected in some ways um, it was hard. It was, it was really good. Uh, God taught us all a lot yeah. through that time and, and just a lot of different ways. Um, we, we came, we went there with the plan of we'll plant, we wanted to be a church that was always looking to plant new churches, mm-hmm. not just because that's a good thing, but because the idea is if we're not focused on trying to make new communities then we'll quickly become insular and comfortable and we really want to stay focused on our our goal is making disciples and so Mm. so we to that end when you say keep planting you you didn't you're not opposed to big churches but part of the way that you guys wanted to grow the church was to not be too big yeah it it wasn't a it wasn't a size thing at all really it was more just the health of a, a healthy church is one that um, is desiring to help start new churches mm-hmm. and that that's a part of the DNA of the church is they know like we're a church that helps. We want new churches to start. I mean, and that that's another conversation that goes back to um, some research that, that shows that new churches in a lot of ways reach non-believers more effectively than existing churches do. And, 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 Tim Keller and the um, Redeemer uh, City to City Church Planting Network has done a lot of work looking at that in terms mm. of how church planting is not only good for reaching un- unchurched people, but it also contributes to the health of the church that sends the sending church is more healthy when they plant. Like mm. there's just a lot of um, a lot of a lot to be said for church planting, not only for reaching the lost, but also for the health of a church. And so hmm. we set out saying we want to be a church that plants. And so we said we'll we'll plant the initial church, and then two years later, I'll be sent out to plant a second church. We had all these grand uh, plans, and it, it it was good just to actually get there and realize this is way way slower and yeah. harder than we expected it to be. Right. Especially because we were parachuting in with no relationships, and we were starting mm. from scratch. We just need to get to know people. Yeah, you know, we just need to build relationships and trust, and yeah. that doesn't happen overnight. And so, it, God quickly adjusted our expectations mm-hmm. and our timeline, and revealed some of our 
um, even some of our idols in the process in a mm. lot of ways, and that was good. And uh, re- we we quickly realized this is going to be a slower process than we expected. Yeah. And God was faithful, um, but it it took time. Uh, one, so probably the the most, you know, in some ways that maybe this kind of exemplifies that story is that three years in, I ended up going from being full time serving the church mm. back to not back for the really for the first time to working outside of the church oh, yeah. to provide for our family. Hmm. Um, so it totally was unex- was not something I would have expected. wasn't the plan when we moved to Ohio. Were you reluctant to do that? No, I was excited to, I think. Okay. Because at that point, I it was two and it was two two years, two and a half years in that we realized that that's going to be what we need to do. Mm-hmm. It is if we stay here in Columbus and want to continue working to plant this church, that I'm going to have to find um, another source of income. And at the same time, I also loved just getting to build relationships outside of the church. You remember, so think about for for six years in Corona, I almost had no mm. relationships outside of the church. <laughs> and then we landed in Columbus and the church is five of us and anyone, five adults, five adults plus the kids. kids yeah. Right. And so all of a sudden, all the relationships we're building are outside of the church for mm. the most part. And we're building just some amazing friendships to, that we have to this day that God's given us. And I loved getting to really build relationships and um, and community with people that weren't following Jesus and them getting to see Jesus through us and through our through our marriage and through our friendships and so that was really exciting and I loved the idea of getting to work for the good of our city and the flourishing of Columbus in some way um, in a way that was outside of the church hmm. partially because I wanted I wanted to learn what it looked like to be a leader in the church that didn't get paid by the church. Yeah. And that spent my day and my, my hours serving in a different way. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I went and worked as a development director, marketing director for a nonprofit in the city Yeah. and did that for five years. And it was really, it was hard in some ways because all of a sudden my identity was different yeah. and I, I couldn't, you know, I wasn't the paid pastor that I used to be. And right. there was right. a, there was a, I had to confront, like, did I fail and hmm. really be like, be okay with in some ways. Yeah. In some ways I failed what I, I, I failed what I set out to do. We didn't plant a church two years in, mm. but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to realize that my identity doesn't come from that or what I do. Yeah. It's, it's secure because of what Jesus has done for me. And so that was really good, although hard, but it was also a sweet time of learning what it's like to um, just to serve the church, not paid by the church. But mm. to, I was still one of the elders. I preached probably every five or six weeks. And yeah. It was enough to like, it was a, still a, a lot of time I was putting into that. And um, it was hard, but good. And then for the first couple of years, I even thought maybe this is the new norm. Like I really, huh. I really like getting to work alongside mostly non-Christians. I like getting to build these relationships. I like yeah. all these connections I'm getting to make and getting to serve our city in a different way. Um, I actually thought that might be what I end up doing the rest of my life was working in a nonprofit world in some way. <laughs> Development. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So 
but did you uh because i've uh i've wondered like for pastors it's it's a high calling yeah certainly uh because there's difficulties that um you know as somebody who's not a pastor and never been one there's difficulties that I'll, I won't understand. Yeah. But at the same time, when you were beginning to talk about identity, like it is, um, it's easier in the sense that like um, you are, it's, it's a, maybe a little bit more obvious to you that like everything that I'm doing is directly kingdom work. Right. right? But right. then like for, you know, say, an accountant or a salesman or, you right, know, right, right. Um, you know, somebody who's working in fast food or manufacturing, like at some point it, as a believer, do, do you begin to wonder like, how is this, you know, burger flipping or yeah. counting beans or yeah. whatever? Yeah. How is that going to help progress the kingdom? Yeah. Did you struggle with that at all working for the nonprofit? You know, so right when I was doing my job search, I also read, um, Every Good Endeavor, which is another, you can tell I like Tim Keller. Um, it's a book. A distant he, mentor. Yeah. He wrote it. He wrote it um, with Catherine Alsdorf, I think was pretty influential with it. Um, and it was essentially, it's a, it's a theology of work, but it gets really practical and it's really helpful for me. I did that while I was doing my job search and learned just a lot in terms of like, we're called, like we're created to work. Mm-hmm. And so like work is a good thing. Um, now, but also realizing that the curse of sin has affected all work. So work is good, but there's also also, uh, almost any job you do, there's parts of it that also feel pointless or fleeting or they're they're cursed in some way. So it's good and cursed at the same time. And that's Mm. like, we're, you know, the already, but not yet part of being a Christian and living in God's kingdom. And so it allowed me to approach work or to, to begin to learn how to do work that was outside of serving the church and to realize that it's good. And when I went to the library and I, you know, created marketing plans. The library was the nonprofit. That yeah. So I yeah. served a public library. And so when I'm creating a marketing plan for the library or when I'm working on a press release or doing fundraising for something, um, that it's good and, and that just the the act of work of actually using my mind and my energy to uh, create something that would help other people flourish was Mm -hmm. good. That was, I was being God's image bearer was a good thing, but I also saw plenty of times the curse of work and just like, sure. Which I saw before as a pastor too, but, um, but there were plenty of times where it felt pointless or fleeting or what am I doing? And, or even maybe ideologically opposed. Sure, and that's I mean that's a challenge. For I mean, public, too. a public, public libraries are yeah. you know definitely um, public libraries are some of the most progressive places in the U.S. Politically progressive. Politically progressive, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and I love the people I worked with, and actually maybe socially progressive, maybe a yeah more accurate term. Yeah, not politically, but and we and I agreed on a ton of. I mean, there's a lot of things that a lot of the things that libraries hold dear are good things like literacy yeah literacy (laughs) and um the you know information the freedom of information things like that are really important things yeah um but there's you know there's things we disagreed on and even learning how to be a christian in that sphere yeah and to influence and have a voice but honor my boss who was the director and it was just really good for me and helpful and um it it does uh, yeah, it forces you to 
kind of grow and mature in a different sense though, right? Because yeah. I think, um, you know, it, it can easily feel like, especially if you're working in a secular environment, it can feel like you're just going to so easily compromise because not, not everything is so saturatedly Christian, right? Right. Um, and like, you know, the stuff that you're working with, you're like, wait, am I going to promote this book that maybe even outright denounces um, Christianity or am I yeah. going to, you know, partner with this author to raise funds for, you know, this sort of a thing. And it's like, uh, you know, yeah, it, it would just feel like a little bit of a, um, a conflict, uh, yeah. internal conflict. Yeah. 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 And I think what helped me was it's, um, you know, I think we live in a pluralistic world yeah. and, and I think that's the reality. And so it's good. I think as Christians, we need to accept that and, but be confident, be able to be confident in our faith in the midst of that pluralistic world. Mm-hmm. And what, what's great about a library is libraries at the core mm-hmm. of them is recognizing that there's a, there's a variety sure. of viewpoints. Yeah. There's, you know, it's a pluralistic world. So right. we have, you have commentaries on the Bible and you mm-hmm. have everything in between, right? And everything else. So and even so, though it's not, it's yeah. even though it's not all Christian, it's not yeah. anti-Christian per right. se. And I'm all, and I, I wanted to be all about providing access to information so that people could hear a lot of different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to agree with the viewpoint to be, even to be uh, really energized by the idea of, but I don't agree with this viewpoint, but I want, I want to defend mm. the library's ability to provide that viewpoint. So you had to think in access. some ways you had to think a little bit harder as to yeah. uh, what, why it would be justified for you as yeah. a Christian to be doing those things. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think every Christian, you know, that's just my, that was just my rule, but wherever you're at, there's in any, you know, in a, in a business, you got to think about what's the bottom line that you're you know, that you're working towards and, mm-hmm. and the, you know, how does the company use their bottom line? And mm-hmm. I think there's always, there, there's questions that every Christian has to ask and wherever, whatever work they're in that right. are challenging. And that, that time at the library was really valuable because it forced me to be, to start thinking through those things and realizing that that's like most of our, most of our church is having to ask those same questions, whether we're hmm. they're working as a physician at, the medical center yeah. or they're um, in school at the time studying or they're at home taking care of kids or whatever it is like they're really right like how does doing day, this laundry promote progress yeah, the kingdoms type of every thing. day having to approach work in some way that's both helping them bear the image of god and is cursed by sin sure not even just their sin it's just cursed in general <laughs> right, <laughs> right right like right. clothes get dirty again yeah so um, how, like, and that's, that's, you know, 50%, that's probably not 50%. It's, it's one third, 30% of what people do with their life is this work in yeah. some way. Yeah. And, and I think in some ways churches have sometimes failed to really equip people to think about that mm-hmm. and ignore that. And I think it's what we spend besides sleeping most of our time doing. Right. And so how do we help Christians see their work as both a vocation, hopefully, mm-hmm. not always, but hopefully a vocation, a calling, 
Um, but if not, it still is helping them bear the image of God. Even right. It may not be their calling, but it still is a opportunity to bear God's image in some way. And it's a good thing. But it's also cursed. And to realize that both are true and yeah, help, and, and help them approach it. And there's concrete constraints too, right? Like we need jobs. We need to... Yeah to pay for things to live. And that's not even yeah, going into like... that's not bad. Yeah. It's okay. It's, yeah. it's part of living, It's not right? bad to like, work just to provide at some time, at some points for your family. Yeah. Right. I mean, especially coming from, you know, with... Uh, when you think about immigrants even, like, they, yeah. they work like crazy. Yeah. Um, maybe because they get lower paying jobs or whatever. And because I remember my grandfather doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coming to this country. And he just... I don't know if he worked a lot of hours, but I just remember it's, it's hard work. Yeah, and, yeah. but you do it because your family, you brought your family here to yeah, try and make it in yeah, the country type of yeah, thing. Totally. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, yeah. so then, so sorry. So no, I keep distracting us, good. but we're, you were in Ohio. Yeah. Um, and then at some point you, you had to go to work, but then at some point along the way you began to realize, uh, maybe Ohio is not the permanent place for us. Yeah. And it didn't even start with that. It really started with, it was probably three years in to me working full time for the uh, nonprofit for the library that I realized like I enjoy this. I think I can do this well. I'm able to provide for my family with this, but a new sense of man, if I could spend my work week and my energy doing anything, what I really would love to do mm. is spend it uh, equipping the church, equipping people in the church to live out their faith in their own workplaces and in their neighborhoods and me doing that as well. But like, if I could, if I could use my energy and my work week to equip people to do that, I would love to do that. And mm -hmm. I think I have not only a desire, but I think I have experience that would help me in that. Um, especially even just the, the doing that myself, you know, as a, in the library for five years and, um, and as a pastor, but also I think, I have gifting to do that. And so we started praying about what it looked like to serve the church full time again. Yeah, we meaning you and Beth. Beth and I. Okay. But we didn't just want to like go on to church pastor pastorfinder.com and like just find a just <laughs> find some place to go that would pay me. Right. Um it, that wasn't we weren't really interested in that. We There's really a synergy you to, wanted to achieve with the people you'd be working with. Yeah, and just discerning like where did God want us to be? Did he want us to stay in Columbus? Did he want us to go somewhere mm -hmm. else? Did he want us to start a plant a church? Did he want us to go to somewhere that needed uh, leadership? And so we started praying about it and went through a long process of getting counsel from other people and um, and prayer. And it was really through that process that step by step God gave clarity. So mm -hmm. there we we didn't see we didn't have the whole answer all at one time. Um, we started off realizing, yes, we should pursue this. And we had clarity. We had a desire. Beth had a desire. People were affirming that. And then... Was there an impatience to it at the beginning? Not. Thankfully not. Thankfully, yeah. like, we were able to... I mean, there were definitely days where I... It, days that were harder. You're just work, like, I don't want to work in the library like, I don't right now. I don't want to keep doing yeah. this anymore. Yeah. And it wasn't... I love the people that I was with, but it was just days that, like, this wasn't what I loved to be doing. Yeah. And um, that was a reality. But at the same time, I mean, it was really a two-year process. So God, in a lot of ways, gave us patience and allowed us not to just rush into something. And um, we... It was around 2017 then you started. 2016, yeah. 2017? Yeah. Okay. I thought yeah. we were talking about it around Yeah, it was like end of 2017. Okay. And so then we really just started praying. And at first we were thinking of we would stay in Columbus and plant in Columbus. 
but we just never felt settled about that for some reason and mm-hmm. weren't sure why. And um, we, as much as you loved being yeah, there and the we people loved, there, we yeah. loved it. We have really close, still have really close friends that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, would have, there would have been a lot of good things about that, but we just never were settled. And, and I think now looking back, it was clear that God was, we weren't settled because um, we needed to stop and like think outside of that. And, we actually did a, a church planting assessment through a, a church planting network, and they uh, basically said two things. They said, we we would love for you guys to plant, but we, you need to figure out how to stop and have some kind of sabbatical before you plant. In other words, like if you go straight into planting a church from what you're doing now, you're going to be burn exhausted out. and burn out. Because we guys... were working full-time, mm. but also serving as an elder. We were leading a missional community. Um, doing a lot of different things. We were just really spread thin and invested in our neighborhood in a lot of ways and then part of some nonprofits. And um, and if we had just tried to go straight into planting in Columbus, it would have been a disaster and we would have just been exhausted. So they said, you need to figure out how to sabbatical, how to, have, how to rest, hmm. and how to have a rhythm of rest after that. <laughs> And then, and which then is hard for a church planter. Oh, totally. Because Most church planters you're just starting. Like you think about any startup, right? You're yeah. just going, going, going. Trying you have to get this momentum. idea you got to work 60, 70 hour weeks, right. and then you, four years in, five years in, you burn out. Yeah. And, Did you guys um, do the assessment? Uh, like, yeah. was that something that you that somebody recommended you to do? Did you just come upon it because you you we guys just were thinking we like, needed to? I mean, okay. we by that time had been. I mean, both with planting the church in Columbus, because we had gone through an assessment for that with the Burns, with Scott and Melissa. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that and just knowing, we knew that that's healthy, that churches that plant well usually are supported and mm. not on their own. Yeah. And if you're going to be supported and a part of a church planting network, then assessment's going to be the first step. So yeah. There was one that we trusted and the, did a lot of church planting in the Ohio Valley. Okay. So we started with them, and that's when we were planting, thinking of planting in Columbus. And there, who said you need to rest or figure out how to have a sabbatical. And the second thing is, they said you need to stop and think about if Columbus is where you really want to plant, because it seems like you guys aren't settled on that. They, they, think, they could just tell by talking to you guys yeah. that, that you weren't enamored with, for whatever reason, enamored with Ohio. Totally. Yeah, that there wasn't any clear reason, but it just wasn't wasn't clear to us that that's where God was calling us. And along with that, they did some helpful things with us that helped us understand ourselves better, some mm-hmm. self-awareness things. There's a thing called the Enneagram. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Harry Potter for Zero Christians. Zero to nine. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Potter for Christians. But it's, uh, <laughs> it is helpful. I laugh at it, but it actually has been really helpful for us. And... One of the things that we learned in that was that um, for Beth, it can be hard to know what she wants and to, de- mm. and to actually to, to even realize what she wants and then to actually declare what she wants. She feels selfish when she says what she wants? I think there's an element of like, yeah, there's like just never wanting to stop and think about her own desires mm. and always looking, always. Which is comfortable and deflecting to, and giving. and Yeah, give to others and help other people get what they want and. Um, and she's a huge blessing to people in a lot of ways because she's so inclusive of people and helps mm. people. But it, we also realize, like, man, if we're going to do this, we want to both be excited about it. And, yeah. Like, we don't know what, like, in some ways I had some clarity with what I wanted to do, though not total. But Beth just, we, 
And I wanted to know what Beth wanted, but that sounds uncomfortable for her. But it was just hard for her. She didn't even know where to start with what. Yeah. Do I, what do I really want? Because so, if she's created such a habit of not saying yeah. what she wanted, then she, and you tell her no, you have to say what you want. Then yeah. she, I kind of, I, I would imagine that that's just yeah, it's just not something you can be like, oh, okay, it's not here's what I really want. Like it was something that was kind of unknown. We had to actually say, okay, let's go back and start praying about like what do we really want? Mm-hmm. What what do you what what do we really desire? And desire, God gives us desires, they're good. And mm-hmm. sometimes he calls us to sacrifice them and we don't get them. But sometimes he gives us desires because he wants us to pursue them. And right. So realizing that. And, how, how, did, how did you guys discern through that? Because like, you know, there's that the, there's a serve off type of idea. No, 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 you go first. No, no, right. you, or like, it's not about me. But like, you, I would imagine that you probably had to wrestle with to some extent, like, are we being selfish? Yeah. Like, how do you, you... I think that's where like community was really big for us. Mm. So we didn't, from the beginning, didn't want to make this decision by ourselves. So we invited our close friends, starting with our close friends, seeking counsel and asking for prayer. And then, um, but then our whole church really, we, we had, we had nights where our whole church came together just to pray. And they specifically came together just to pray for us for mm. wisdom and clarity and it was really a sweet, just really for us, it was, it was modeling. I mean, it was modeling what the church should be doing and how we help each other make decisions. And um, so it was really helpful for us. And I think God used it. I mean, he, he was faithful to use the prayer of the community to give clarity to us mm-hmm. and also to help us know that we weren't just like making a decision that we thought was good, but no sure. one else yeah. did. And so... Um, through that process that we started praying and we a lot while while praying we just started exploring we just started thinking about other like okay well if we want kind of freed your mind up if we weren't going to be in columbus where would we want to be and that's when we started thinking about well we honestly beth realized like beth realized i love mountains like i love i love being where there's i i can see mountains because you grew up in colorado right yeah she's from colorado and so we started thinking about, and, and at the same time, there was a church in Vancouver, British Columbia that I was just initially having some conversations with that was looking for a teaching pastor and hmm. um, that didn't go anywhere, but that conversation got us even thinking about Pacific Northwest and feeling, Beth even feeling excited to be in this part of the country. And yeah. She has family in Colorado, her parents and, and in Alaska and um, so- Kind of in the middle. Yeah. So we're kind <laughs> of in the middle. Uh, so that really, I think God used that to help kind of direct our desires and clarify them. And at the same time, we knew that we didn't want to just parachute in again to a mm-hmm. city and just start from scratch. We knew that to plant again, we'd want to go partner with a church that we trusted. Because you didn't like how you did it in Columbus, or it's just it was you know not it's hard. It's one of repeat. those things where like God used it, and it was you know he used all of our mistakes and, and the good things we did. And it was all part of the story. But yeah, if I were to go back and do it again, I would, I would not parachute in again. Yeah. Um, not that, not that nobody should, I wouldn't, not prescriptively for everybody, yeah, but for you guys, it's just for most, for most people, they shouldn't parachute mm. in the plane. There's, I think some people that they can, but I think that's actually more rare. Mm. And, um, for us, God taught us a lot through that. So I wouldn't replace the things he taught us yeah. <laughs> through that, but it's also just, I think not the ideal way to do it. And, um, and so I think we knew that coming here, we want to 
partner with a church that had a vision for planting churches and specifically would want to plant churches more through multiplying communities within the church that would then form the core of a new congregation. Mm -hmm. And so more of kind of a, I guess a more organic kind of. Was that through part of the assessment process that you guys kind of began to formulate that sort of a. That I think that was our desire for a long time. Okay. Even in Columbus was that we would want to plant that way. Mm. Um, but also even in the assessment, we kind of knew how I'm gifted fits more that way of planting um, versus trying to catalyze a hundred people to start a church from Out scratch. Of, yeah. That's not really how I'm gifted. So right. That is, is kind of both for okay. sure. And um, and so when we started thinking about where we would want to be, that was what brought us here because we knew Pacific Northwest was appealing to us and we had a desire to really think about this area. But we also wanted to be at a church we trusted and would want to and had the same kind of vision for planting. And that's where we immediately thought of Docs. I, I was thinking of where if I could learn from anyone, if I could spend a few years learning, where would I want to learn? Mm-hmm. And it was I knew that this would be a place I'd want to learn. And that was because early on when we planted in Columbus in the 2000, um, 2010, 2011, we learned a lot from uh, this church out here um, and, and some of their leaders mm-hmm. in terms of uh, what it looks like to make disciples and how we do that. And that hmm. really impacted us a lot in how we planted in Columbus. And so when we were thinking, okay, where would we want to go and learn, this immediately came to mind. And that's why part of why we ended up coming out here. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and then as, as far as the rest goes and needing a sabbatical, was that yeah. something that you guys felt at the same time? Oh, yeah. We felt like we can't keep going. Had you guys right. realized that like a few years prior too? Uh, probably, yeah, probably sl- it was like a slow, bu- it was like the frog in the kettle or oh, whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the, the water keeps getting hotter yeah, and you don't, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't realize it till it's too late. Right. But w- I think the water kept getting hotter yeah. and we kept feeling more spread thin and mm. we realized if nothing, if nothing changed, this was going to really burn us out. Right. And, um, and so we were realizing that and that was the other cool thing is coming here uh, God just answered that prayer as well because when we came here, uh, God provided for us to be able to uh, focus, for me to be able to do this full time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm here serving Doxa Church full time, um, but uh, but I'm not I'm not really doing the work of plant. I'm not I, I am and I'm not. I mean, you're always doing the work of planting in terms of discipleship and building relationships, but I'm not doing the heavy tiring laboursome work yes. that yeah, yeah, yeah. really will to the extent where it's, it later. feels all, all not all but a lot of it feels reliant upon yeah. your, your efforts yeah i'm a part of a team and right now i'm just getting to learn and serve and help wherever i, I i'm needed and can mm-hmm. and so in a lot of ways it, it's felt in some ways like a time of rest for me mm-hmm. um, for our family we're still figuring that out because it's also been a transition yeah. so it's been yeah. tiring it's to have this big change so I think for, as a family, we're still learning how to rest, but what your routines are and finding rest within those. Totally, yeah. yeah. But in, but for me, at least, just in terms of like my week, it's definitely been refreshing. Yeah. And I think God's answering that prayer and and that need that we had for rest, um, so that when whatever whatever happens next, that when that comes, that we will, I think, be rested and also have some rhythms of rest built into our life that allow us to 
have more sustainable ministry long-term and mm-hmm. not, not then jump into something that's unsustainable. Thanks again for listening to episode three of my conversations with Ken Flower. This was the last part of the first conversation Ken and I had. The last two episodes are from our second and final conversation. In them, we talk about what fills up his current work days at Doxa Church, what his plan is, and the adjustments since moving. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.